and welcome to the Victory Alabang podcast. You're listening to a message from our preaching series entitled Want More. Together we'll discover what the Word of God says about money and how the right understanding can help us live a life of greater faith, contentment, and generosity. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. This Want More series is basically the exhortation of the Apostle Paul and it's based on 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, if you recall, about two weeks ago, we talked about uh, how it is for us to be freed from the love of money. The, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's not the money per se that is the problem, but it's the love of money that is the problem. And so um, we have also been encouraged by the Apostle Paul that we need to be content with everything that we have. Because godliness with contentment is what? Great gain, okay? So God is great gain. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like a different um, finance series altogether because many times when you hear about teachings on money, we expect uh, God's blessing to be upon us. And that's really a fact. God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to walk in the bountiful blessings that he has for his children. Uh, you probably heard of some preaching about God wants you rich. How many of you know that God has no problem making his children rich. But this is not really that kind of preaching because this is all about, uh, you know, uh, contentment. It's about generosity. It's about us uh, putting God first. It's not putting your hope in riches, but rather putting your hope in God. And so today we're going to be closing this series. I know that it's just uh, week number three and uh, we have just, uh, we've skipped a bit but I'll try to put it all in uh, in one particular message. And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please open it to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, uh, sorry, 17, 18, and 19. I'd like everyone to please stand with me as we give reverence to God's Word. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17, 18, and 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Everybody say, but on God. Who richly provides us with everything. Everybody say, everything. To enjoy. Now in verse 18 to 19, I'd like to invite everybody to read it out loud all together. Okay, one, two, three. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Lord, bless our preaching today, Lord. We thank you that you will uh, minister uh, this truth of your word, Lord God, to your people. I pray, God, that you'd also open up our hearts to receive from your Holy Spirit today. Thank you, Lord, that you will allow us, Lord, to have uh, Lord a change of mind as well. Thank you, Lord God, that indeed from this uh, 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 scripture, Lord God, may we see the wealth uh, of your uh, counsel, Lord God. So I, I ask Holy Spirit, you would speak to us as a people, speak to this church, and even as individuals. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may all be seated. And today I want to focus on verse 18 and 19, really, which is really an application of last week. If the Apostle Paul is warning us who are rich not to be haughty nor to put our hope in wealth, 
How do we do that? How do we not put our hope in the uncertainty of riches? How do we not put our hope in the instability of wealth? And you know, I, I realize that many times, you're all, and that's fine, we pray for provision, no problem with that. But if our heart's desire is, if we will say, Lord, basta magawa ko lang itong deal to, I'll be the happiest man. Really? If, if you have that deal, guess what? You'll ask for more deals. It's almost like a big hole in our heart saying, I want more. But if God is the longing of our heart, if our hope is put in the certainty of who God is, that is the only thing that can actually satisfy our souls. And I know that even the Apostle Paul has talked about this. I have had plenty. I have had luck. But I know how to be content in all situations. You can actually be rich. You can actually be in need sometimes. But if you find your hope and your certainty in God, then um, you'll actually be walking a stable path. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 says, They are to do good. Everybody say, do good. And to be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share, thus storing treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I actually told the story this morning of uh, what happened to my daughter last Friday. You know, it's the, tomorrow I think is the start of uh, SEM break of many of the elementary or I think high school. And so last uh, Friday was the big United Nations Day celebration of their school. And so each class, they were divided into different sections of other different nations uh, and they represent the, you know, uh, Asian nations. My my second daughter, Anna, they, their, their class represented China and my youngest daughter, Andrea, uh, represented Japan. And uh, part of what they were to do is to, of course, to look for a costume uh, for UN Day and, uh, of, of course, also to, uh, to provide food for the celebration. And so as class president, my daughter actually took the responsibility of, uh, uh, I don't know if she volunteered, to cook for the class, but you know, anyway, the, the whole setup was this that each classmate is to contribute 300 pesos as capital for the food to be cooked during the, the day, the Friday, and they're supposed to sell it into different booths. And so, um, last uh, about a couple of days ago, my daughter was panicky because she said that I need to use the kitchen because I am the one in charge of cooking the, the meal for the class. And so we asked, what do you intend to cook? And so she said, I'm going to cook gyoza, I'm going to cook chicken teriyaki, I'm going to cook uh, Japanese garlic uh, fried rice, and I'm going to cook uh, you know, a Japanese uh, designed or inspired sugar cookies. I said, uh, uh, okay, uh, who will help you? I, and she said, uh, a couple of my classes should actually help me. And, uh, you know, but I asked, you know, how, what help can they give to you? And they said, yeah, they're going to be doing different things. Uh, and some of them will actually help me, like, cut the vegetables. And so, but the night before, like, Thursday evening was, like, crunch time. She was, like, on panic mode because, uh, you know, the, the big day was next day. And so she had to do all the... 200 gyozas. And so she, together with uh, help from, uh, you know, our 
well, we have a live-out helper that had to go also at 8 o'clock in the evening. So she had to continue the work. And so uh, I said, can you handle it? So I was, you know, I was just, uh, well, I was encouraging her. I don't want to add on to her stress anymore. But I was asking, who's supposed to help you? And so he, she was trying to call some classmates. And she was asking, can you come to the house right now at 9 p.m.? I said, I don't think their parents would allow them to come to the house at this time and stay overnight just so that you can actually finish your stuff. And uh, she said, I'll try. So she tried and said, guess what, daddy? The parents said no. I said, I, I told you because uh, this is just you and me. You do it. I pray for you because I don't know, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to cook. Um, but that evening... I said, uh, Andrea, I'm a bit tired already, but uh, maybe next tomorrow, the next day, why don't you go and ask help from your class? Because do your, te do your teachers know about this? You know, did they realize that you're the only ones like doing 75% of the work? Or maybe 80, 85? Because uh, somebody's in charge of the sushi uh, in another house. And so I said, I have to go to sleep already. But you try to include your classmates tomorrow. Early tomorrow because 6.30, said, she said, I'm going to be in the school and try to cook all, the, all these. And uh, okay, well, well, we'll try to help you tomorrow morning as I bring you to school. And she said, but I have to finish the cookies tonight. And because I need, the, I need the oven for baking. I said, how will you do that? You know? But the very next day, I was surprised, you know, when I woke up, you know, she did not sleep in her room. She actually slept on the couch. And so, uh, I don't know if she slept there, but uh, I, I took a picture. But, you know, she, she worked almost overnight. But when I looked at the kitchen, she finished all the cookies that needs to be baked. And I said, wow, she's quite responsible. But as, you know, as I was telling her the night before. I was a bit frustrated because I said it was unfair. You know, your class should have done things together with you. But as I looked at her, she, all she wanted to do was she wanted to serve. She wanted to make things right. She wanted to, of course, she was frustrated because there's no help. But at the same time, she needed to do something that is within her power to finish that particular task that was given to her. So when we went to the school, you know, our our helper came early that morning, and so we helped in the Japanese fried rice. We delivered it, and then she cooked the gyoza in the school. It was sold out. But anyway, so she said that, you know, we made uh, more than 5,000 pesos. Uh, you know, 7,000 capital. We had 12,000. But what's the, you know, maybe you're asking, so what's the point, Pastor Ariel? The point is this. I don't know what the point is, but the point is this. I was kind of rebuked by the Lord because of, I guess, my selfishness. And I said, you know, it's unfair. You should have your classmates help you. But for her part, she said, it's given to me. It's a task. I'm going to do what I can do. And somehow, as I look at it, Andrea kind of saved the day because she's able to bring what was needed for the class and the class reported. And I realized that the class participation was on the day itself. 
Some of them were cooking, some of them were selling, some of them did the decoration, some of them were like shouting, Yosa! So, like so they were like doing the marketing. And so everybody somehow did their share in doing a good thing. But my take on that was I thought that life is supposed to be like fair. But for her, she said, it's okay as long as I can do what I can do. I was looking at this particular text in verse 18. There to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share. And I said, oops. You know, I, I guess I was not really willing to share at that particular moment. I thought, you know, it was unfair for Andrea to be doing all the work, but yet for her, on her part, I wanted to make it count for the class. And it's just a small story, but yet many times we look at life and we think that, you know, anyway, somebody else will do it. You know, if we look at maybe some needy person out there, I'll, I'll pray for you. But do we really have the power to help that person? And do we understand that maybe we are the answer to our own prayers in praying for that person to be helped? Here we see verbs. Do good, be rich in good works, be generous, ready to share. Let's unpack this very quickly. There to do good. What do you mean by do good and then be rich in good works? Aren't those two the same things? But, you know, here when you talk about do good, it's really the standard of goodness. Generosity starts with contentment and security. It does not talk about the act of doing good yet. It talks about the standard of goodness. And where do you get the standard of goodness? Only God is good. Amen. And sometimes, man, we have different measures of good. You know, back in the first century when the Greeks would say, as long as it's good, the reference of good is, as long as it feels good, do it. That is the reference of the Greeks. When you feel good about something, then you do it. I mean, if that's good, I don't think that is a pretty accurate standard. Because if you think that, you know, Drinking is good and I do it. Gambling is good and I do it. Or, you know, uh, cheating is good and I do it. I don't think that is a good measure. Amen. Because God is the best measure of goodness. In fact, the Bible says, Woe is the man who inverts God's definition of good. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil because you're distorting the truth of God's word. Standard of good is God alone. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, and His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. Mark 10 verse 18 says, No one is good except God alone. In other words, you can't express God's goodness until you have experienced the goodness of God in your life. And there has to be like a change of heart and a change of spirit because when we are able to receive Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when we have a relationship with Him, then He changes us from the inside out. 
The only way that we can be good is if we become good ourselves. Not living out of our own righteousness, but living out the righteousness of God in us. To do good comes from the Greek word agathorgeo, which means doing what is birthed and empowered by God. It's an internal motivation of doing good. It's doing good as a result of our salvation, basically. Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times you may abound in every good work. The only way that you and I can be good is if we have first experienced the goodness of God in our lives. Amen. And I know it's, it's kind of difficult for us to always say that our life is good. I was counseling someone yesterday and this person's reality is really tough because his wife is sick, he's sick, he's got no job, but yet at the end of it all, he would still say, but God is still good. And let me submit to you this afternoon that God is good no matter what. Whatever it is that we're going through, you may be going through the toughest of times. You may have some questions in your mind. You may actually be going through physical illness. You may have some financial difficulty. You may be going through a terrible marriage. But it doesn't change the fact that God is a good God. Amen. And that is, in essence, the standard of goodness. Secondly, we are not only to do good, but we are to be rich in good works. What does it mean to be rich in good works? Now, this is now the expression of the goodness that you have experienced from, from God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Manifestation of the goodness. Don't just do good to feel good. You know, there's actually sometimes a dopamine effect of doing good. You know, you do good, it's addictive, but you know, you only do good to feel good. But you, only, you do good because you want to glorify God. Amen. Ultimately, because you want to represent Him. And I'm not discounting the fact that there are so many other people who are trying to do good in this world. So many great NGOs, so many good, you know, uh, uh, causes, you know, whether it's, you know, save the whales or don't throw, throw plastic in, you know, save the, the marine environment or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, okay? The question there is, why are we doing what we're doing? Ultimately, it's all about the kingdom of God. Ultimately, all we want is to glorify and to honor God. Amen. That's exactly what we want to do. Good works must have an eternal impact and it must be salvation Focus. We are to become salt and light. Matthew 5.13 talks about you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. 
For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Everybody say all people. Especially those who belong to the family of believers. We need to be aware of the purpose of wealth. I believe the ultimate purpose of wealth is not just for your enjoyment and mine. Yes, it's part of that. But I believe that we need to ask ourselves, Lord, if there's extra, what is this for? Because if we don't know the purpose, then abuse is inevitable. It is bound for us to actually be abusive about the things that are entrusted to us. Or to share our time, talent, treasure, tongue. And we can only do good to the extent that we have recognized the goodness of God. We need to ask our motive. Why are we doing good? You know, when you give, for example, I know that nowadays when there's like projects, we do selfies. We actually have videos. We have, we post it on IG and that's fine. No problem there. But what is the motive behind that? You know, like last year, we did a project called Love the City and we distributed about 2,000 bags of Dolce Buena packages to Poor, uh, you know, uh, barangays here in uh, uh, depressed areas in Montinlupa. And part of what we did was we took pictures, we took videos, and we basically reported to the church what had happened. The reason why we took the videos is not so that we can flaunt to the world that we are a good church. No, but somehow we are to educate and to inspire and to report, you know, what had happened. And hopefully, the next time that we do Love the city, which is a few weeks from now, uh, that we will actually be part of that and that we are to do good if it is within our power to do good. Doing good and being generous is not just about giving to others, but doing good is actually representing who God is in your life. This morning as I was driving here, it was, you know, I, I used ways to come here and it says on ways uh, 12 minutes from my house to here. By um, MCX and SLEX, I said, wow, praise God. It's a miracle on a Sunday morning. So I, I drove and MCX was great. I turned left on SLEX. It was great until about a few hundred meters away from the exit of Philinvest. And then suddenly it stopped and it became so heavy, the traffic. And I said, I'm going to stay on the rightmost lane because I'm going to exit, fill in best exit, if you're familiar with that. As I was faithfully minding my own lane, lo and behold, a blue car came from the left and cut in front of me to the right. And I said, who karaba? I mean, I was tempted to just shout a word of praise. To the Lord. And I was just wondering, Lord, I was meditating by, on this particular verse. By the way, as I was coming here, be rich in good works. Be rich in good works. And suddenly this happened to me, right in front of me. My normal tendency, and my wife would attest to this, is I normally, the moment somebody cuts, I always do that. It's like, you know, uh, Knee-jerk reaction, okay? But this morning, the Holy Spirit is moving in the car. 
Ariel, take control of yourself. Be rich in your glory. And I, I was imagining also, what if that is a member of victory <laughs> rushing to get to the church? And, I, you know, we probably had a commotion in the highway. And I, so I said, I let you go. God bless you. And I found out the moment that he actually entered this lane, he turned left again towards Makati. And I said, oh, he's going to another church. That's why. I don't know, just kidding. But you know, it's, I say this because, yeah, we can actually be generous, we can do good, but I realize that every single day, you can actually live a life that is kind, a life that is patient, a life that is not contemptuous, and that you're actually blessing others, not in a weird way. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Don't do that to your office mate. Ah, bless, 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 bless. You're weird. But just walk it out because people are watching. Be rich in good works. Good works should always have the right motivation. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. May these bodies be used to glorify the Lord every single day. May the wealth that is entrusted to us be used for God's glory. May us who are rich not find ourselves prideful, nor conceited, nor arrogant, but to put our hope not on the fleeting wealth, which is really here today, but may be gone tomorrow, but rather to put our hope in God, the one who richly blesses us and the one who allows wealth to be enjoyed by his children. Is it possible for us that when we receive something that's extra, that we ask ourselves, Lord, what is this for? Maybe it's for your family. Or maybe it's for another person. If God is really Lord of our lives, then our wallets are part of our lives as well. There's actually a direct connection of our wallet to our heart. Don't worry, we're not taking up an offering. But my prayer is that we would do good. We would be rich in good works. We would learn to be generous. We would be willing to share. We're not just talking about money here. We're talking about our life. The hardest thing to give is your life. Easy to give money. It's just a piece of paper, so they say. You can write a check and just go do it. But giving of your life as a sacrifice, serve the Lord, is different. Pastor Ray Stedman said this, Wealthy people are to be personally involved in things that are good and helpful. They are merely to, not merely to give their money to good causes, but to personally do something as well. 
The writer Mark Twain said, kindness is the language which both deaf can hear and the blind can see. I think I said this about two weeks ago. John Bunyan, the writer of the Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, said, you have not lived today until you have given something to someone who can never repay you. Have you ever asked the Lord or maybe have, has God said something to you to do something special for the people around you? In reality, in order for us to live this life, to summarize this whole series, we're to choose between the uncertainty of wealth and the certainty of God. It's an obvious answer. We're choosing the certainty of God. Put our hope there. But we need to let go and hold on to something. We need to learn how to let go in order for us to gain something that is of true value. Verse 19 says, Thus storing treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What is life to us? Life is only found in Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. People of this world are always looking for life. They're declaring, what a life. But my question is, is that really life? What gives us life? Does money give us life? Only Christ gives us life. When we let go, we gain everything. If you have Christ, you have everything that you need. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.